Hey everybody, welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey guys, this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So today we're going to be doing part two of our peak week, um, basically explanations, and today's we'll be highlighting our sodium water manipulations. So if you missed last week's it was more directed towards carb ups which is a huge percentage of the results that you're going to find um, in a peak week in terms of depletion and carb loading so make sure you check out last week's episode if you didn't and then this week we're going to just be talking about the fine points of the roles that sodium potassium and water have within the peaking process and um, essentially how important it is to keep sodium and water in, uh, short answer. So thank you, Julie Noon, for the suggestion. Um, and mm -hmm. we had asked, you know, if you were interested to let us know. So we appreciate that feedback. And any other feedback that you have, we always like to hear about, you know, what topics you would like to, um, you know, have us cover. So. Um, thank you to those of you that have DM'd us. We will get to those um, different topics as well in the future. So keep those coming. And let's start by, I wanted to just really quick talk about the most recent national show that we did not attend, <laughs> um, yes. which was USA's. It was at the end of July. And this year it was back in Vegas. It had been a long time since it had been in Vegas. We went last year uh, with athletes when it was in Phoenix, and I had gone, mm -hmm. we had both actually gone the previous year as well in 2020 with athletes while it was in Phoenix, and at that time it was paired with Masters USA's, so it was in December. Um, so it's back to its original time stamp, which is always the end of July. You can expect for USA's to now kind of be in that time frame, and then it's back in Vegas and it's home. So. It is a muscle contest show. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out on that one is that the top two placements do earn a pro card. So first and second mm -hmm. of every open height class, there is no masters. And then um, something to keep in mind when you're picking shows and the reason why we did not make this kind of like our team show, we've been having pretty much every national show kind of be where we bring a group of competitors. Um, the reason why we chose against this one is um, for females, I feel like it's a disadvantage in terms of cost and budget because you have mm -hmm. to pay for makeup and hair and tan for two days. Since it is a two-day show, they, they stretch that out. And, you know, it's pretty disheartening if you don't make the first call out. You know you're not in the top five to have to kind of like dig into the wallet and pay for a second day of hair, makeup, and tan. Um, and then it's also additional costs for hotel room and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, I have to say that I think that's why I heard that it was a very male-heavy show this past, um, you know, when they had it this year. And I personally, my, my deduction <laughs> is, my hypothesis is that because the females have the most cost when it comes to glamour and males do not, um, that mm -hmm. that's probably why it was a pretty light on the female end of things. Cause you know, bikini is such a popular 
sport right now, it's just, it's usually the majority of the numbers of a competition um, come from the female side. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And if you can, you know, hit two opportunities to win your pro card um, with, you know, the same similar cost with hair and makeup, uh, I mean, I would probably want to give myself more odds uh, or more chances to win my card. Um, I also just think it's hard on athletes to hold your peak for that long. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a couple of reasons, not that, you know, it's, it's a great show. I think they, they do a good job of running it. Um, But when you're making decisions, I think those are definitely. Um, okay, so Chris, you're cutting out just a hair. Um, we can barely hear every other word, but I think I got most of it. You had oh, that, that stinks. Um, that it's also it's hard to hold the peak for the two days. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's go into first of all our sodium debate. Um, I'll kind of start with just my stance on sodium during peak week and um, in general in the prep life. So sodium is a crucial element to your body. Um, As athletes, we need sodium to survive. You need it for blood pressure, heart. Um, Electrolytes are super important for our body's functions um, and also for muscle function and things like that. So um, to me, sodium needs to stay in. It just needs to make sure that you're consistent with your amounts so that you're not messing with aldosterone. So during peak week, you don't want to do more sodium than you normally do. You don't want to do less. And that's kind of my stance on the sodium part of it. Any thoughts to add there? Uh, no, I think if you can nail a look, consistent moving into the show is kind of like the best thing to do. Yeah. Okay. So another variable would be water. And for me, again, um, you know, my recommendation for athletes is that they have an ounce per pound of body weight at the very minimum, um, just to have digestion flowing, to have all their bodily functions, um, to be working properly. Uh, if you're in a warmer climate and you sweat a lot, so you're losing a lot of water, then I would recommend actually doing more than that. I know a lot of my competitors will do like a gallon and a half. Um, you know, some some people that live in Texas, they do like two gallons. Um, but for me, mm-hmm. I like to keep the water consistent during peak week. The only thing that I recommend is that if we're taking out artificial sweeteners, a lot of times our pre-workout and our BCAAs and our EAAs, they actually have sodium and potassium in them, which are our electrolytes. So when you're taking out those electrolytes, you're missing a little bit of what you normally would have during a regular week. So I have them add in like two liters of smart water or just electrolyte water in general to make up and compensate for those EAAs or BCAAs that they've now replaced with like an anabolic bridge, which is the pill form of an EAA, but that has no sweeteners. Um, Stances on water for you during peak week. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always specific about how many liters of electrolyte they should be having. 
and with regular check-ins during the week, I'll assess um, like what their conditioning is looking like. And some people, I'll have them increase a liter. Some I'll have them decrease. Um, but for the most part, it's like you said, pretty vanilla with keeping people very hydrated um, and just like not not removing it uh, to you know at all in peak week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So with the when we kind of come down to like the last couple of days when we're on Friday, um, the only thing that I do differently with water is I do have them have a cascade at night. So I have them drink their regular amounts of water. And then I for like the last two hours right before bed, I do have them have about like a three fourths of a gallon of water. Um, as part of a cascade mm-hmm. so that we can prevent aldosterone from rising the next day. Um, just on show day, I don't want the competitor having to go pee a lot um, and ruining their tan and having to worry about taking off their suit a bunch and going to the bathroom. Because as competitors, we probably all know we're frequent bathroom goers when <laughs> we, we stay super hydrated. <laughs> um, and then another thing yep. is, too, is I just don't want them – um, sloshing around a bunch of water in their stomach. So just like we keep food kind of on the light side and protein on the light side, I just like to keep the water on the light side on show day. Not that we're saying no water at all, um, because you need that for pump Mm -hmm. in your muscles, but, and you need a, especially like with masters competitors, I feel like they need, um, that skin elasticity. Um, so you can only get that through the water. So that's where we just say limit it, um, you know, on show day so that we can kind of prevent those things. But um, we're going to get into a study about aldosterone, a Harvard study that kind of explains why doing it the night before when you have prejudging in the morning uh, when your water is limited, why that kind of safeguards you within that 24-hour window of preventing it. And then after prejudging, you know, it's pretty much like, we want them to really hydrate right after they get off stage. They've been judged live. Um, now, some people you have to be a little bit careful, depending on if they're going to be going and getting rejudged again at night, like as far as an overall and things like that. They may need special instructions. But for the most part, um, you know, it's there's no limit on water after they step off stage. So, um, you know, we've kind of prevented that aldosterone from kicking in, which is why most coaches you know the ones that pride themselves on oh we don't cut water on show day that's what they're trying to prevent is that aldosterone hormone from rising so we'll get Mm -hmm. into the science on that but before we move on to that chris did you have any other thoughts about water there uh well the only other thing uh to mention like you were saying about warmer clients altitude to make it more dehydrated and a higher altitude um so, like, as you're pushing more water, again, you're going to have to, like, watch your electrolytes as well, too, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But that's just another, like, environmental thing to consider. Yeah, definitely. So, especially if you're going from, like, the East Coast where you're in a very humid environment and then you go to the West Coast where it's very dry. Um, I'll give you the example of altitude and dry climate. Whenever I go to Colorado, I drop, like, 
three to five pounds when I go out there. Same with Arizona. Um, and that's just due to a little bit of elevation, like Arizona, um, Las Vegas, different places like that, um, where there are national shows. Um, those are some things to consider. They're, they do have mountains there. Um, it is the desert. And you do get dehydrated in flight. So things to consider uh, for sure as part of that really delicate balance when it comes to hydration and peak week. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's just kind of talk about potassium a little bit too because that's the other variable that comes in with sodium. So you'll hear about a lot of bodybuilders, like very extreme bodybuilders that do crazy potassium um, type of supplements that are called diazide or spironolactone or um, even LASIK, which is really harsh and very dangerous to use. Um, all three of which we do not <laughs> condone here at Glam Girl. Um, so basically those are for people with blood pressure issues. So for example, my mom has high blood pressure, so she has to watch her salt intake. And anything that has higher amounts of potassium, that's going to help lower your blood pressure. And then if you have higher sodium intake, it's gonna raise your blood pressure. So we have to think about these things. And when it comes to, um, you know, blood pressure research and sodium potassium and how to make the most of that mineral content um, used to kind of control what's going on cellularly in the body and to c mm -hmm. control the flow of water in and out. Um, you're viewing that mineral balance and manipulation. Uh, you have to consider these things. So when you're managing your carbs um, to make sure you pull that water into the muscle, the carbs are critical and that's where you get that fullness. Um, but the water that the carbs attract um, so the water has to be present um, in order to get that fullness so you're gonna look ultra crisp and um, depending on how much you can get like that saturation inside the muscle cell and so this is where the sodium and the potassium come into play so um, you know if we're in normal conditions we have fluid inside and outside of our cells and then anything that we kind of do to um, extremes can make those fluid dynamics, um, you know, do extremes as well because our kidneys are controlling um, these levels. So, um, in my opinion, there's there's not a way to trick the body. Um, even if you try to manipulate sodium and potassium, our bodies are very smart. They are pre-programmed for survival. So, our kidneys are actually going to release that hormone aldosterone to try to keep things leveled out so if you're pulling out sodium then that sophisticated system it's basically like the alarm just got triggered and so your body will start to produce mm -hmm. aldosterone when it doesn't see that sodium is present and basically that just means that it will start recycling the sodium it won't allow your body to excrete it so that your serum levels stay level because we need those things for vital functions of our organs, our heart, and all those things. So um, I guess if you're looking at this from a peak week standpoint and you went from hard and full and um, 
then you kind of like looked soft or flat and squishy um, because maybe you cut sodium or you cut your water um, or you did too much potassium. Um, these are some things that can happen because sodium and potassium are the key ions that regulate that fluid dynamics. Um, so they're going to either allow and attract, so water will attract and have that flow of the ions traveling across the cell membrane. So I don't want to get too technical, but um, we want the plasma to be attracted to the inside of the cell in the muscle. And so that um, won't just happen by just increasing potassium. Um, it will, you have to have like that right balance. Um, before I move on, do you want to add mm -hmm. anything to that, that part? No, I think you said it really well. Your sodium <clears throat> are cut, like they have those ratios to have you balanced, and one extreme of the can create a mess. So yeah, they're like tricky variables. I think, especially when you have a bikini of conditioning. Um, I just feel like sometimes it needs to be when trying to get that that perfect look um, yeah you you bring up like really good points about you know water those those solutes so messing with all any of those things can create and we've seen it uh different different looks as far as like muscle full and water retention so every other word's kind of coming through i don't know if you can stand in a better spot no oh. um kind of not hearing everything you're saying sorry about that um, okay, so deficiency, uh, the deficiencies in the sodium, they basically will lead to that drop in blood pressure, and that's going to mean that your plasma or your water is pushed out of the vascular system. So if it's not in the blood vessels and it's around the interstitial, which means subcutaneously, then that, of course, is going to lead to being smooth, and this causes like a chain reaction, essentially. So... I wanted to go into a Harvard study that was done um, that really depicts kind of what happens. I, I thought it was pretty interesting. So they basically cut all sodium out um, on day one. So the sodium in the urine was 105, and then aldosterone was at 11.7, and the serum sodium was 139. So by day two, so this is within 24 hours, their urinary sodium dropped from 105 to 59, which is crazy. Um, and then aldosterone actually doubled from 11.7 to 22.5. But yet the serum sodium remained the same because, again, the, the kidneys are reacting to less sodium being put into them so they're excreting less essentially so by day six of this sodium depletion they go from 105 on excreting sodium to 9.9 .9, which is super low and then aldosterone again pretty much more than doubled and it was at 37 and it started at 11 um, and then day six their serum levels stayed pretty much the same from 139 to 138 so you can see that the kidneys are very they have a fail safe where they're going to increase the aldosterone so that your 
So you're not only not excreting the sodium, but you're also retaining a bunch of water. And that's why people look the way they do when they cut sodium um, because those, those hormones not only rise, but also gives them a really, really bad look on stage. <laughs> so um, any thoughts there? Uh, no. Okay. All right. So we'll talk about potassium a little bit because I do want people that live the prep life to kind of understand that although you may not be taking like a prescription diuretic or something along those lines, I have seen competitors that just take like a potassium supplement. Um, and then for whatever reason during peak week, maybe their carb sources change. Um, maybe they're eating a lot of oatmeal and they kind of cut that out because it has a lot of a mixture of like the insoluble and soluble fiber in it and they want digestion to be pretty smooth so they switch over to sweet potatoes or white potatoes and something you have to understand is that white potatoes sweet potatoes they have high amounts of potassium in them so you got to keep that in mind when you're thinking about these channels the sodium potassium um, other foods that are prep friendly foods like avocados have a lot of potassium in them so it's not just a banana <laughs> Um, there are, you know, several different prep-friendly foods that a lot of times we can eat during peak week even. So it's something to consider. And I will tell you a story about one competitor in particular that she was very lean and very ready to go um, on Monday. And uh, I noticed that she was not only taking a potassium supplement, but she was also, she switched her plain drinking water to all of her water was electrolyte water. I, for some reason, I don't know why she switched that. But by Thursday, she was very blurry. Um, she basically had way overdone it with um, sodium and potassium. So think about, too, that not only just cutting those things, but also adding those things can really mess with the balance. So think about it in any extreme. You don't want to go either way. You want to really stay consistent. And I think the moral of the story is, is that with all things peak week, if you have to do drastic things to make corrections, then you've probably not done a good job throughout the rest of the prep. What really matters is your day-to-day, -day, you know, how lean you're coming into the show is really ultimately where you're going to find the most success. Um, you know, just making sure that your your conditioning is where it needs to be, depending on if it's a regional show or a national show. I think those are all factors that we have to think about. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Um, yeah, I would agree. I've seen people get a lot softer just by switching from plain water to electrolyte water. And I've seen other people, um, like, get better conditioning. They actually fill out a little bit better with electrolyte water. So yeah, it's just another variable I think to keep in mind and make sure that you have specific plans for especially show day so that you can get that optimal peak. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of just knowing your client and seeing consistent pictures throughout. And we, so we had talked about like the front load and the back load in last week's episode. And I think the key thing here is that we do several check-ins, like multiple check-ins almost every day uh, during yep. peak week because we're trying to keep an eye on these things. And 
we know our clients very well. You know, they check in consistently. We have lots of data. So I think it's important too that, um, you know, not to say that like there's some coaches that are lazy or whatever, but um, if you are doing like consistently the backload, it is easier on the coach, like in terms of they don't have to monitor that as Mm -hmm. heavily, but you're not actually going to get like the extreme fullness and results that we get with like a front load, which in my opinion is most optimal for bodybuilders because like I said, 95% of the result of that fullness and hardness is that manipulation of carbohydrates. And along with those carbohydrates comes the water and the sodium for that perfect, you know, look. And that's going to be the situation where you're going to be able to do that, to use those, utilize that carb up um, and to get that nice fullness on show day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So I know when we talked about um, kind of the differences between uh, a regional show and a national show, and right before we hopped on, we were kind of just talking about how most competitors are not going to need to even use like a dandelion roux or like a symmetry, like a mild diuretic um, for a national show, whereas they may need to for a regional show just because there's a certain level of conditioning that's different. When you look at people on a national stage, they are absolutely peeled. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes at a regional level, that can be, that can mark a bikini girl down uh, because it is very, very conditioned. Um, And if you're being compared against other regional level competitors, sometimes it can, you almost need like a little bit of a softer look so a lot of times I'll have a warm-up show that's a regional show to kind of get um you know do a run through of the peak get used to being on stage get qualified if that's what they need and then they may get first there but like they would not place well at that conditioning level at nationals so I give a timeline in between of kind of where re- reverse engineering from the national show, like the ultimate goal. So they're almost like, you know, five weeks out, six weeks out when they step on the regional stage. Even I've had some people like win overalls in first place at that conditioning, but then we bring them in tighter for nationals. So that's something too, that I think just being around the sport, you kind of have to understand um, when you go to these shows, you see that visually. And that's something that you kind of learn over time and get that eye for. Yeah. And so you're like piggybacking off of what you're talking about with water and sodium, like those things can, um, they'll look differently on you with different conditioning levels. So, um, like, yeah, you won't need as harsh of, uh, like the, the use of something to help pull off excess water. If you're going into a, a national show and you're, nice and lean and you're ready to go and it's just kind of like streamlined with your water your your uh sodium all of that right into your show I mean that's kind of what happened to me personally as an athlete like I had good conditioning at a regional level and then we like cycled over into uh the national show and then piggybacked on onto a second national show and it's like just refining the process uh or refining the physique really each time you kind of like 
follow that strategy of getting in that rate, that rate peak at the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. And I remember like for your pro debut, I remember you came in because we, we had you at your lowest weight ever. And you, yeah. like when I checked you the night before you're super flat, um, yeah. just because you hadn't had much salt that day. Yes. And that's kind of something you have to keep an eye on too. Um, a lot of competitors, they'll, um, pull out like certain condiments that have quite a bit of sodium in them as well during mm -hmm. peak week and they'll eat pretty plain foods. So that's another factor that people have to kind of keep in mind as well. Like you need to make sure you're still salting and kind of tracking that mm -hmm. and you need to let your coach kind of know. That's why we have in our, um, you know, our check-in journal, how much water they're drinking per week. So we have an idea of what they've been doing consistently so that we're not changing that dramatically. Um, I've had it. Oh yeah. Go okay. Ahead. I was just going to say I've had athletes as well that they've packed their food to fly and they've forgotten to salt it because you're not thinking, you know, most people salt their food right before they eat it. So they're not thinking about salting their food while it's packed or bringing a salt shaker with them. Um, luckily salt is everywhere. So it's just a matter of like, finding it but um doing that food prep too i feel like people forget that mineral yeah and i think too another thing to consider is um as you go throughout the day if you're not going on stage till one of the later classes so you're not on stage till like two or three your volume of meals is going to be lower so your salt has decreased just naturally and mm -hmm. organically um in that term so you're going to have to be overly conscious of how much salt you've actually gotten in that day if you're trying to keep food kind of on the lower end so that your waist stays tight. Um, these are all mm -hmm. considerations and along with the water too, um, you know, you can get away with like drinking less water and salting less if you're going on at like eight in the morning versus 3 p.m. So um, that's why it's good to, to have like a coach constantly kind of checking you throughout the day um, because like an hour can go by and your physique can have changed or you can over pump and kind of pump out the, uh, because yes. it is a workout. Um, so you could have lost some salt and some water um, if you mm -hmm. over pump, some things to consider as well. So um, hopefully that sheds some light on kind of our philosophies when it comes to water and sodium and potassium during peak week. If you have other questions for us, please send them our way. You can find us on Instagram at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. And if you would like to apply for your unicorn prep, you can hit the Get Started button at GlamGirlBikini.com. And this is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.